I guess there's been two reasons, really, why I felt maybe a little bit uh, nervous about this morning, and I'll be the first to admit that. Um, it's been about 13, 14 months, I think, since I stood up in front of church and spoke. Um, so quite a long time, uh, so hopefully not too rusty. Um, and the second reason is, um, for those of you who know Joshua, you'll, have, uh, you'll be aware that he's not the greatest sleeper. And so for the last 12 months, I'm pretty sure, as any parent might recognise, I've lived in this state where words are not coming out of my mouth in the same way that they're being processed in my head. So I do hope we don't encounter that as too great a problem this morning. Um, I'm, I'm wondering whether Lee's kind of thought, okay, I've had a conversation with Graham now, and I recognise that those words came out and made sense, so now's the time I'll get him involved on a Sunday morning. I don't know what his thoughts were there. You'll have to ask him. Talking of Joshua, uh, today is actually a really special day in our house. Um, it is Joshua's first birthday. Oh, I wasn't expecting that. Thank you very much. Um, and it's in honour of that, it's in recognition of, of today's date, um, that um, we have just heard from that passage. So we didn't have a set passage um, from Lee to speak on today. And so I kind of was thinking about what is it that I want to share with you guys this morning. And I've taken some inspiration from Joshua and his associate Caleb uh, in that passage in Numbers. So maybe quite a random one to hear. So let's put it into context. Where have we got to in the general Bible overview story so far? Prior to this point, we know that the Israelites have been enslaved in Egypt. We have seen their quite dramatic rescue mission out of there. So we've seen God uh, cast the, the, the plagues, the series of plagues onto Egypt. We've seen the back and forth between Moses and Pharaoh saying, let my people go. And then we, of course, have this really dramatic crossing of the Red Sea. We've seen a really powerful series of events where God is delivering the nation of Israel. Israel, therefore, through that, they've experienced and they've seen firsthand God's love, God's faithfulness towards them as a people. And they've seen how he will deliver, how he will guide, how he will lead them. So we're about two years later. They've left Egypt. They've been wandering through the desert now for about two years. And we reach the point whereby We've just heard uh, the passage from, uh, as Jude just kindly read. They're on the doorstep of the promised land. This is their opportunity to go on in. So they know God has this land promised for them. They know God has been with them on their journey. But they need to go scout it out. They're going to go prepare for their assault. They're going to go prepare for their entry. So Moses, as we just heard, instructs a representative from each tribe of Israel to go on in and to bring back a report. They're tasked with looking at the quality of the land. Is it fertile? What are the trees? What are the fruits like? What are the people there like? There are already inhabitants. Are they strong? Are they weak? Are they plentiful? Or are they few? What are the settlements like? Are they fortified cities? Can we conquer this land? Or are they they weak and there for the taking? Lots of questions for Israel. And so from verse 25 onwards, we, we read of the spies' return and the report they bring. The whole congregation, it says, of Israel gather. And you can begin to picture the anticipation that must have been immense at this point. As I said, a nation that knows this land has been promised to them, they're on the doorstep. What are we going to hear? Are we going in? How soon will we be there? It starts so positively. This is a land that flows with milk and honey. 
I can imagine they show the people those cuts of fruit, the figs that we heard that they brought back with them. But that positivity drains away very quickly. The spies begin to report on the strength of the people, the fortification uh, levels of each city. And then they casually name drop all of those uh, descendants and tribes that Jude had to navigate. Um, That would have meant something to the Israelites. They would have been the tribes that their ancestors would have fought against, would have had battles with. And that was enough, essentially, to put fear into the audience hearing the, the report. If we had time, uh, we could read on into Numbers 14, and we would then begin to read of the despair that the people uh, take on as they hear that message, as they process it. They've come all of this way. For what purpose? To die as they try to enter the promised land, and we even begin to hear them moan, it would be better for us surely to go back to Egypt, to go back to being slaves. Crazy, maybe. But it's at that point that our two kind of key characters that I want to just look at briefly this morning, Joshua and Caleb, they step up and they step forward and say, look, the land that we have seen, that we have passed through, is exceedingly good. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us. Yes, the land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land. The Lord is with us. Do not fear them. The scene, as I have been picturing it in preparation, um, it reminds me of a speech made regarding a woman called Anne Nixon Cooper. Uh, She was an African-American woman. Uh, She was born in Tennessee in 1902. In a speech made in 2008, when she was still alive, um, Anne Nixon Cooper is the subject, um, and she's spoken of Uh, with these following words. Tonight, I think about all that she's seen throughout her century. The heartache and the hope, the struggle and the progress, the times we were told that we cannot, and the people who pressed on with that creed, yes, we can. At a time when women's voices were silenced and their hopes dismissed, she lived to see them stand up and speak out and reach for the ballot, yes, we can. When there was despair and depression across the land, she saw a nation conquer fear itself with a new deal, new jobs, a new sense of purpose. Yes, we can. When the bombs fell on our harbour and tyranny threatened the world, she was there to witness a generation rise to greatness and a democracy was saved. Yes, we can. She was there for the buses in Montgomery, the hoses in Birmingham, a bridge in Selma, and a preacher from Atlanta who told a people that we shall overcome. Yes, we can. Before I read those words, um, I doubt many of us probably knew who Anne Nixon Cooper was. But I imagine as I've just read that, many of you have begun to recognise some of those famous words, yes, we can, uh, as belonging to Barack Obama. So that was some of his words from the uh, the 2008 election night speech when he first became American president. You might recall seeing that on the news Um, maybe you've watched it on YouTube I'll put my hands up and admit to that Um, maybe you heard it on the radio maybe whatever recollection you have you might recall that as that speech progresses the enthusiasm and the energy in the crowd grows the the crowd start responding back to those claims of yes we can Uh, the the momentum uh, kind of is definitely growing and by the end of that speech um, Obama essentially tells the American electorate 
this is our moment, this is our time. And in our passage this morning, that's the kind of picture I get of Joshua and Caleb. The spies report, the land looks good, but we cannot do it. And Joshua and Caleb, I can picture their manner, their tone, their demeanour, to be a strong world. Yes, we can. This is our time. Surely God is with us. We can do this. Throughout Numbers, we read that Caleb, in particular, is known by God for having a different, that's the word used, um, in the ESV version at least, a different spirit. And he's essentially known for fully following God. As we survey the challenges of our individual lives, difficult relationships, family tensions, personal battles with sin, it's easy to look and see fortified cities, strong people that are going to prevent us from entering in, breaking new ground. The challenge that I put to us today, the inspiration that I draw from this text, is to adopt a a Caleb-like spirit, to be followers of Christ that say, we can do this, yes we can, we can go further than where we have been before. Think about the last uh, few weeks of the sermon series that we looked at. We obviously looked at what does it mean to be a whole life disciple of Jesus Christ? To live apprenticed to him, learning how to follow him in all aspects of our, of our lives and ultimately to be fruitful in that. And then of course, as we've already looked at, we've heard some great stories, we then had the opportunity to go on the weekend away and we, had, we very much had an opportunity to respond to the Holy Spirit where the claim that he makes is to have full reign over the whole of our lives. How do we build upon that? How do we build upon a whole life lived for Christ, by and with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? How do we adopt a Caleb-like attitude and say, look, this is our time to go further than we've ever gone before, individually and collectively as a church? Well, we look at Caleb and Joshua, we look at their example, and we see a couple of things. We see how quick they are to see things from God's perspective and not man's. Those cities are strong. Those people are plentiful. But for Joshua and Caleb, what trumps that is the promises of God. Israel was told, you will have this land. They hold on to that truth, despite what they've seen. Despite the opposition uh, put to them by the other spies that saw the same things they saw. It's their reliance on the promises of God that means their faith is maintained and holds strong. Adopting a spirit like Caleb and Joshua pushes us towards new ground in our faith. I guess in pursuit of God, there's always more to be known. There's always more of his character and his nature to get to know. There's always more understanding the depth of his love and his riches to be, to be known and experienced and lived in. There's always more strength to rely upon when facing the difficulties of life. And even amongst the community of believers, when we're together, there's more courage to be had in being the first one to offer prayer at that moment. There's more courage to be had to be the one who's going to say, I'll hold higher expectations of what God can do and how he will move in that situation. 
any risk, any personal risk that there might be to take on that attitude, to look at Caleb and Joshua, is minimised, it is mitigated by the assurances of heaven that an inheritance awaits us. So what do I mean by this idea of inheritance? Again, let's look to the example of Caleb and Joshua first. As we read through further into the scriptures, uh, we, do, we do get a very um, direct story uh, that tells us what the inheritance is for these guys. In summary, as a result of that negative report, Israel decides we won't go in. We'll bulk. We won't go into the promised land. And then as we know, they end up spending many, many, many more years in the wilderness. And of those spies who went in and delivered that report, only Caleb and Joshua were to ever go in. The others died. They died in the wilderness, having never experienced the joy of the promise. Joshua, he got to do so in a position of leadership, ultimately succeeding Moses after his death. But with Caleb, his story is told in Joshua 14. We're not going to have time to read it all this morning, so I'd encourage you to go away and have a read. But let me tell you a little little excerpt. Upon finally entering the promised land, Israel carves up the land um, between the different tribes, uh, and it's all allocated uh, between them. Now Caleb approaches Joshua, now his leader, and says, look, 45 years ago, Moses swore to me, surely the land on which your foot has trodden will be yours, an inheritance for you and your children forever. Because you have wholly followed the Lord. Caleb then goes on to say to Joshua, remember that promise that Moses made me. And he says to Joshua, I am this day now 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as I was then, in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as it was then. I'm ready for war, for comings, for goings. So give me the hill country of Hebron of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard how the Anakim were there with their great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. In summary, what do we see there? Caleb approaches his leader and says, give me Hebron. Give me the inheritance promised to me. Hebron is hill country, difficult terrain. Uh, doing a little bit of research, it's essentially um, on top of the Lake District. It's, it's that kind of altitude. Fortified cities, descendants of warriors that Israel has been battling with for generations. Yet, Caleb wants it. He asks for the battle. The fire that exists in this guy's belly, because he wholeheartedly followed the Lord, is incredible. An incredible challenge, I think, for us, but hopefully an incredible inspiration. Caleb knows that his strength remains, but more importantly, he knows that the Lord will be with him and that what the Lord has said will come to pass. His faith is grounded in the promises of God. Adopting a Caleb-like spirit is to stand firm in God's truth over the long haul. In his wild youth, and I'll call out that I've just said if you're in your 40s, Caleb was, must have been 45. I'm counting that as youth. Back in his youthful days, Caleb said, God can do this. 
And now at 85 years old, his confidence remains. His confidence remains in the power and the plans of God. And like I said, we see him ask for the most difficult assignment that he could have asked for, knowing full and well that the Lord will be with him. And then as we read the scriptures, we see that that confidence is fulfilled when we read that the land then enjoyed rest from war. Victory was to be had. Adopting a Caleb-like spirit is to ask, where's our Hebron? What is it in our lives that looks unsurmountable, unconquerable? Where do the fortified cities, the strength of the people, tell our human logic to back off? It can't be done. Maybe that broken relationship will never change. It's always been that way. I won't go into the promised land. I won't expect anything better. Maybe the personal addiction is too strong. The binds are too strong over me. There isn't freedom from that in God. I'll back off. I won't enter the promised land. These kind of things, they're our Hebrons. The spirit of Caleb is to see the kingdom of God, to trust in it, and to trust in God's promise that he will allow us to enter and break new ground. Joshua and Caleb, they received their inheritance for us today, living after the death and resurrection of Jesus. Our own inheritance is secure. We're invited to share in the victory of the cross and the empty tomb. Life in its fullest form is made available to us through relationship with the Father made available by Jesus. And as many of us took the opportunity to pray last week, we invite the Holy Spirit, whether we've done that before or not, we can invite the Holy Spirit to lay claim over the whole of our lives that we might live for his praise and glory. So by the power of the Spirit dwelling inside us, let's just close our eyes for a moment and I'll pray to close. Father, we pray that you would grow in us a spirit like that seen in Caleb and Joshua. Grow in us a faith that stands firm amongst challenge. Heighten our expectancy that there is always new ground to break. Ever increasing depth and richness to a life lived with you. Strengthen us, inspire us by the challenge of, by the example of Joshua and Caleb to push on for more knowing that our inheritance is secure by the power of Jesus and the gift of your spirit. Amen.